Blog Talk Radio. Call Huff. You can call him at 859 647 0713. 
He is up in Florence, 7430 U.S. Highway 42, Suite 107, Florence, Kentucky. Florence, y'all. If you're in that fourth and long situation, out of options, uh, do you need the bankruptcy? Do you not need a bankruptcy? Go and give Huff a call. He can sort it all out for you in a caring, considerate manner, professional manner, uh, not just going to come in there and, and look to see what he can do to drain you dry or, or take advantage of you. Give Aaron Huff a call. He's called into the show several times. You've heard him talk with us. He would definitely be a pleasure to work with if you have uh, financial needs. He can take care of them. And he's not just in Florence. He covers Eastern Kentucky all the way over to Louisville, where you are, Terry. So if you're financially rough, give Huff a call. Give Aaron Huff a call at Huff Law Office. You were up at Kroger Field. Got there early like you always do. Sellout <laughs> crowd. Amped. Ready to start our own streak against Florida. Ended the streak in Gainesville, looking to get them in Lexington uh, for the first time since 1986. And I'll just let you recount everything from your point of view. Well, you know, with a big game coming into Lexington, you can judge that by how difficult it is to get to the stadium, right? You know, I used to find myself complaining, like, Lexington's traffic is crazy, but then I'm like, the only time I'm really in Lexington are for games. And not only am I there when there's a game going on, I'm going to the game. So I really have to check that, you know, when I'm going to Rupp Arena, I'm going to Commonwealth Stadium, I'm going to different venues. I have to just say, okay, so is everybody else. But this was different. This was, I mean, I got to Lexington probably about 3 o'clock, and it took a considerable amount of time to get parked and get to the stadium. I mean, it was really close to about 4.30 before I was able to actually get to the tailgating area, visit some folks, and then go in, uh, inside. So the air was there. And it reminded me, I think it was the Auburn game a couple of years ago, there was a primetime game where, where the big blue nation, they were excited for this game, and they had reason to be. Uh, most people, uh, ourselves included, thought that this was a winnable game. And for three quarters, it was. It was. So what happens when your team is up two scores in the fourth quarter and you lose? There's plenty of blame to go around. So what I ask of the Big Blue Nation looking at this game is we can say this was a bad game, but we still have a pretty good coach and coaching staff, right? You know, if, if, if Chance Poor hits the field goal and we hold on and we win, you know, Stoops and Grand and everybody, it's not – they didn't forget how to coach from one year to the next. That's, we have to keep things in perspective. There were a lot of things that happened to cause us to lose this game. Number one, uh, the defensive backfield we knew was going to be a question mark going in uh, to this season. That was the one thing every pundit for and against Kentucky had said is how good that is that defensive backfield going to be. And what was already thin, we lose a guy to targeting the first series of the game for Florida. And not only do you lose a top player, your, your, your depth back there is questionable. But I think, I've kind of put out there, I think it makes everybody else gun shy. You know, when you see someone get ejected, 
which for what I thought was a pretty legitimate play on the ball, I think it makes everybody else gun shot. And the same thing happened with the second targeting penalty in the fourth quarter. I don't know how you make that rule. You, 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 I don't know how you fix it. Yes, we've got to clean up football, but I just think the way it's being applied, and I have said this not just because it hurt Kentucky. This, we've been the benefit of some questionable targeting calls. I've seen targeting calls across college football where you think, oh, my goodness. How, how is that a call? And then we've also seen downright targeting not get penalized at all. You know, there was that issue a few years ago in the Pac-12 where nobody was getting the call and guys were getting almost decapitated. So I think it makes your defense gun shy uh, a, a little bit. So there's that. I think it's uh, Coach Grant, Coach Stoops understanding how to call a game without Benny Snell. You know, there was the, when we were up and driving, you're like, uh, you know, I think it was a one-score game. There's seven or eight minutes on the clock. For the last three years, that was Benny Snell time, right? That was put the rock in his chest, and we have seen that. I think it was Missouri a couple years ago. He had like eight straight runs to steal that game. You know, nine straight runs against, uh, you know, Florida last year. Like, that, that's the textbook thing. So now we have to figure out you don't have Benny Snell. And the coaches have to figure out on the fly. Like, this isn't something I think you can practice for. You have to figure it out. So, yeah, there is plenty enough blame to go around. What bothers me is, okay, this is the same old Kentucky. It really isn't. Uh, Kentucky, we were still throwing to win the game. Uh Sawyer Smith, who I thought played really, really well in his first SEC start, looked really good on – he had a stretch of like three or four, maybe five straight third down and long completions to keep drives alive. He looked fantastic. He opened up nine for nine. It was like 10 for 13 at the half with 120-something yards and a touchdown and a rushing touchdown. He played really, really well, but he also made some mistakes as well. So you have to think a healthy Terry Wilson, maybe we don't have those turnovers. Some of those drives don't stall out. So it's easy to say, same old Kentucky. That's the laziest thing you can say. It infuriates me because it devalues everything that has happened since Stoops stepped on campus. First, no coach is above second guessing. That comes with it. But you have to be honest. No. If you're going to blame Stoops for this loss, he's still a 10-win coach, right? You, you have to be honest with it. The people that keep saying, same old Kentucky, throw up their hands. No, it really isn't. Florida was favored. You know, you have to look at it in the totality. Florida was still ranked a top-10 team. And, and still, we were a couple of plays from winning. I know it's not a moral victory kind of thing, but you have to look at all this in perspective. Same old Kentucky, I retweet this often. It was just a few years ago when Western Kentucky said, we're supposed to be SEC. We got folks raised by Western. It took a last-second play to beat Eastern a few years ago. Southern Miss came back and won. Eastern, was it Eastern Michigan? Eastern Washington was throwing into the end zone with a chance to win. This isn't the same old Kentucky. This, 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 This isn't. It's 
you know, they always say, we'll always do what we always done. You know, that's not fair to Stoops to compare him to Hal Mummy, to compare him to Joker Phillips. To com- that, that's not, not fair. Like, like the coaches just say, well, we're Kentucky. This is what we have to do. You have to look at each game, each coaching staff, each play on its own. And it's really unfair to link, I think, this coaching staff to previous coaching staffs. Because the same people who tell you this is the same old Kentucky, right, will also say, we just want to see improvement. And I always say, uh-huh. I don't know where you're from. I can't speak to where you're from. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm a simple guy. But taking a program from two wins and getting boat raced by Western Kentucky to ten wins and beating Penn State in a New Year's Day game, where I'm from, that's an improvement. That's a step in the right direction. I had someone tweet at me, well, he only got ten wins because he had – you know, the school's all-time leading rusher and probably an all-time best defender on the squad. And this is the same argument people say about Cal because he gets talent. How did those guys get on campus? If I look back exactly. at Benny Snell's recruitment, a lot of teams didn't want him. Right. And we found a diamond in the rough. I think it was, <laughs> what, between Kentucky and, and, and the University of Phoenix or the DeVry Institute, on Josh Allen. Nobody wanted it. So did how did those guys get on campus? One. How did they go yeah. from two stars, one stars, no stars, to NFL studs? And we saw Benny Snell had a huge run for Pittsburgh in, in, uh, this past weekend, and, and Josh Allen is a, is a favorite to be the defensive rookie of the year. How did they get from that point to where they are right now? Just by hanging out? So, yes, the loss against Florida, it stinks. We were up two scores in the fourth quarter. Kroger Field was rocking. I was there. I was feeling it. Uh, at one point, the press box was swaying. That's been the first for me since they <laughs> renovated the place. The, bot, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the juju was there. I get it. We're all frustrated with this loss. But for me – you're two and one, there are still six wins out there starting this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, well, Stoops got out coached. And this is why I say, you know, when people, you know, they talk about Cal being out coached. It happens. Every coach gets out coached at some point. Nick Saban has been out coached. Fair Bryant was out coached. Newt Rockby was out coached. Right? It, it happens. You can look back at just about every coach that has done anything from for 10 years or more, been a head man. You can point to a lot of games. You're like, how did you lose that game? I get it. We're all frustrated. All I'm saying is, and I know fan is short for fanatic, keep it in perspective. The season isn't lost. There's still some positives. Again, I thought Sawyer Smith was well, played really, really well. I think Cavassier Smoke, love A.J. Rose, but Cavassier Smoke has got to be the guy right now. Right. Because there was a stretch. Kentucky had nine rushing attempts for one total yard. And the gentleman uh-huh. in the press box next to me said, they got to bring Smoke in. And Smoke comes in. He goes four rushes for 28 yards. 
you know, about halftime, we're averaging four point like seven yards per rush. So I don't know what Smoke is doing outside of rushing. If it's a, uh, you know, he's got to work on his blocking, work on pass yeah, catching, right. whatever. You, you got to, you got. He's got to get in there. You know that fourth and one play mm-hmm. that was the wildcat, which we need to retire it because just just motion the quarterback <laughs> out of the backfield and running straight up the gut. Does if you've got Benny Snell, okay, right? If you've got a JoJo Kemp, okay. If you've got a Boo Williams, okay. If you're not doing anything exotic, and that, and a lot of people forget when the Wildcat made its big thing with, you know, Ronnie Brown and those guys down in Miami, and uh, when we did it here, uh, used that uh, uh, an awful lot. There were variations to it. You were bringing, you know, a Randall Cobb in motion, a Boom Williams in motion. You were doing different things. Just putting your running back back there in the shotgun isn't going to get it done, you know. So, uh, obviously, there's things that I want to see him improve. Yeah, yeah. And Chris Rodriguez was in the doghouse, and and probably rightfully so. Uh, I was at the first game, covered the first game against Toledo, and he had a couple of fumbles, and I don't think he's touched the ball since. You know, we're talking Eastern Michigan and Florida, and nobody's, you know, a Benny Snell clone now in the backfield, but he's, maybe he's got to factor in short yardage. You talked about Rose not picking up that fourth and one. He's kind of a north and south run through a, like a guy if he needs to type of back, and, and Smoke has kind of got the whole combination going. He can get around the outside and, and you know, outrun some people. He's kind of more do it all, but Rodriguez may maybe he's back out of the doghouse. Maybe he should have been given a bone a time or two against Florida. I know he I know he fumbled a couple of times, but like you mentioned, nine carries for one yard, that's not getting it done either. Right. So and and, and here's the thing too. Uh, again, keeping things in perspective. We knew this was going to be a bumpy road, right? We, 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 I knew there were going to be eight wins out there. I still feel that way. But we had to expect there was going to be some bumps in the road replacing who we had to replace. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not making excuses, but I'm saying those targeting calls were huge. Uh, and the defensive backfield – they 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 played that saw zone and it ate him up. The backup quarterback Trash came in and he started out five for yeah. five. Right. On top of Frank started out like ten for twelve. So the 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 problem is our front seven can get pressure. Florida didn't rush for anything. But even even if you're sending the best pressure, if the quarterback knows where the open spots are going to be, that's easy pitch and catch. And, and, and they had a couple of drives, boom, boom, that required no effort, took no time off the clock, and it put the pressure squarely on Sawyer Smith. And, and that's a uh, that's, I think that was a tough ask for him. So what I, I feel confident in saying this, 
more so than previous coaches. And I, and I don't like to go back and, and dog previous regimes, whatever. I feel confident this, this group can get it. Uh, you know, one quick thing, too. A lot of people like to complain about the Mark Stoops, Eddie Grand philosophy. And here we are, year, is it year eight for Stoops, year nine for Stoops? I forget. I, I lose track. But the thing is, and I can't remember, I think it was the, the, that bum chillips on, on, on uh, Twitter, uh, EDBS, every day should be said, EDSBS or whatever. He was talking to uh, yeah. Bomani Jones a couple of weeks ago on the Right Time podcast. And he said, basically, 10 years, you are who you are as a coach. Right or wrong, you kind of are who you are. So, you know, you and I have talked about with, with, with Coach Cap. We know how he does things. Like, it shouldn't be a surprise. Like, you cannot like Coach Cal. I get it, but you can't keep complaining about the same kinds of things. Like, year 11, talking about one and done, just stop. Like, it's not, like, stop. Like, just stop that, that point. So here we are with Stoops. They're going to grind the ball out. That is what Stoops does. And play defense. That is what they do. And you can like it. You can love it. But he got Kentucky to 10 wins and beat Penn State in a bowl game with this philosophy. He got the University of Kentucky the second place in the SEC East with this philosophy. This philosophy that everyone hates yielded the all-time leading rusher in school history. This philosophy that everybody hates saw Josh Allen go top six, seven, what, top ten draft last year, along with other people that are getting run. Mike Edwards is playing in the NFL, right? right. We've got three, four guys off last year's defense playing on Sunday. So this philosophy that everybody hates, and, we'll, and they'll tell you, yeah, it works for 10 wins. Yeah, yeah, it did. But everybody hates this. This is the way Stoops is going to do it. This, I mean, so. And at the, at the same time, I, they'll also I, say, I didn't, I didn't ever think I'd see Kentucky win nine games, 10 count the bowl game, without having to do some fluky air raid Trickeration, smoke, and mirror stuff. I never thought I'd see them play big boy football and do it, but yet they don't like it. So, and, you know, talking about and this is what it is. And 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 I hear people, and they and they and everybody and they and they gripe and they gripe and they gripe. I get it. It ain't sexy. And and, and I know we want you know we want our uh, Lorenzens and Tim Couch and Andre Woodson slinging the ball all over the place. That is not going to happen. It just isn't going to happen. I, I, I hate to break it to people, but <laughs> you saying that you hate this way, like you hate the Mark Stoops way of, of, of playing things, when Mark Stoops can say, when I got here, we won two games. <laughs> right. And then I put in my system, and then we won – Five games in back-to-back years, and I worked uh-huh. and perfected my system, and then I got it to seven wins in back-to-back years, and 
Then I worked it yeah. and protected my system, and I got it to 10 wins <laughs> and beat Penn State in the bowl game. Obviously, yeah. looking at it in its totality, the game plan Stoops brought with him to Kentucky works. Could there be changes and things, decisions they need to work on on game day? Absolutely. Every coach needs to work on their game day situation. But the overall Mm -hmm. hatred of this philosophy, I'm sorry about you. You don't like it. I don't care. I like 10-win season. I like going into games feeling like we can win the game and not have to hope and pray. All right. Yeah. And, and that, Couple that, questions that something old. flukish is going to happen. Couple I'm looking questions at old Facebook the schedule right today, and, and, and George is still the only team I'm like, okay, maybe not. But everybody else, I feel like we can beat them. Because, as Cavassier Smoke showed, and A.J. Rose did in the second half as well, we can run the ball, and our front seven is great. We work on the defensive backfield. I feel very confident about this. And I don't care if you like the way it looks. I don't. Well, this is what they always do. They, they, they play not to lose. Did you, did you think they did that Saturday? No. No. Everybody's asking that on – got questions coming in on that too. I don't – look. For, for for comparison's sake, John Calipari, my one knock on Cal is for 30 games a season, for 30 games a season, we are up and down the court. We don't call a lot of set plays. It's a very NBA-style offense. You look for certain actions, and you go, go, go. We do that for 30 games every year. When it turns to March – we slow it down, we grind it out, right? And and nope. it, it, it can completely discombobulates the team. I believe that's what happened in twenty fifteen. I believe that's what happened twenty fourteen. I challenge people to go back to look at the twenty twelve championship game. We were beating the brakes off Kansas. Started slowing down. The yeah. offense got janky, and Kansas made it interesting at the end. That that is playing. That is playing, not to lose. What I challenge people, smarter than me, go back. Look at last year's ten win season. Look at the year before that seven win season. Look look at that running the ball and stretching out the game that way is what we do in wins and losses. The play calling doesn't change. It may look conservative only because we don't have Benny Snell that can get us five yards instead of three. But like I said earlier, how many wins did we salt away by running the ball? That's true. Right? Do you That's remember true. a few years ago, Carolina, JoJo Kemp ran the ball about 15 times yeah. in the fourth quarter. Straight. He was 
in the Wildcat. He was, that is what they do, right? Yeah. So you can say they were cowardice, but that's what they do. Win, lose, whatever, we run the ball. And when we have the lead, we really run the ball. And not everything so, that everybody does works every time anyway, so, you know. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and so – Oh, they got scared. No, they didn't. This is what they do. They got up two scores. It would be – and here's the thing. No coach in the country up two scores in the fourth quarter is going to start slinging the ball around. You know, you may do it against some directional school, but but against a number 10 team in the country, number nine team in the country, you're going to start just zinging the ball out there, incomplete stopping the clock. Nobody's doing that. So this notion somehow that, that the coaches got scared and played not to lose, this is what they do. Look at previous games. I mean, go back a couple of years ago to the Louisville game where Lamar Jackson fumbled. Kentucky gets the ball. We grind it out and set up for the field goal. That's what we do. A few years ago at Missouri, where we ran for 300-something yards, we're up big. You yeah. keep grinding the ball out. That's what they do. You can frame it however you want to, that they got scared, that they tried not to lose. But that, that's just what they do. Well, you didn't it's, execute, it's, it's like, I guess, more so. The execution be. wasn't there. Right. And, and, and In the short yardage. It just happened. Yeah. Right, but I just it it grinds my gears to use an old phrase <laughs> of you know Kentucky they just they don't want to win the hell they don't okay I posted the pictures I was in the uh, talking to the players post game look at their faces and tell me they don't want to win shut that up well the coaches okay. Mark Stoops knows, 10-win season or not, if he goes 2-10, and 10, he's on the hot seat. You think he wants to get fired? You think Eddie Grant wants to get fired? Is that what you think? So you can say they made a mistake, but to think they just gave up, shame on you. Shame on you. I blocked yeah. a lot of people talking trash about Chance Poor. Shut it up. I'm not having it about these student athletes. Shut your face. I said yeah. rougher stuff in my head, but I'm trying to be a good, set a good example for my <laughs> girls here. But just n- knock it yeah. off. I'm serious. Go uh, back. Look at the play calling. I'm sure it's available somewhere. Look at how we finish games to win or lose. Look at the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> we were up in the Citrus Bowl, fourth quarter, and what did we do? We gave Benny Snell the blankety-blank ball. We ran the ball. That's what yep. you do. That's what Stoops does. Yeah. So, and I saw we'll get, a friend of the show, Van Hiles, tweeted out earlier today, and I'm, been on a, I'm sorry I'm ranting. But he's, he said, this ain't the same old Kentucky like when I played here. You know, talk to right. people 
that understand the game more than on an armchair level, and they'll tell you it's different. Absolutely. It's the same old Kentucky. We'll change it up. We're changing it real quick. We'll definitely get back to yeah, Kentucky, I, Florida. We'll also get ahead <laughs> to Mississippi State this coming Saturday. I know. I'm, I'm fired our, up. Oh, that's fine. That's our cross-sectional rival from the SEC West. They're coming off a loss as well, so it'll be real interesting down there Saturday. We'll transition to some NFL, a little ACC, a little NBA. This lady covers it all. She's coming to us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Vastai Hurt, Carolina Blitz, CarolinaBlitz.com. Welcome to the show, Vastai. Cat Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown. How you doing this evening? Good evening. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you hopping on. And if you were on the line for the end of Terry's rant, you heard him mention Van Howes, who played DB for Kentucky in the late 90s. Went on to the NFL. My name is Benny Hardy. You being vast, I heard you make the third BH to jump on this show. So we BHs got to okay. fit together. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. It depends on what comes out of y'all's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the jury's still out. Okay. <laughs> well, we appreciate you hopping on. Coming from a city that I like to go to a lot, the city of Charlotte. Tell us first and foremost, like, are you a Charlotte native? And and how did you uh, start the site, CarolinaBlitz.com? Um, I've I've been in Charlotte long enough where I call it home, although I'm not I wasn't born and raised here per se. I've been here since college, so um, Charlotte is home. And I really started the site out of necessity. Um, I was an investment banker for about about eight years. And uh, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy what I did. And I didn't have the traditional journalism background. So when I went searching for for jobs, once I decided that this was my passion and found it difficult, and um, as a black woman, I found it even more difficult. And I felt like I shouldn't have to beg people to see uh, the talent in me. So I started my own my own outlet. And it's been a labor of love. And it's been, you know, I I, I couldn't have imagined back then where I'd be right now. So it's it's been it's been great. Well, it's cool to hear that journey and like the, the transition to make a complete U turn and exit off the path you were on and, and to do what you're doing now. That's really cool to see for sure. Thank you. Now when the fall sports roll around, you know, football season just started and, and basketball is coming, how do you prioritize who you cover the most? Do you do, you do 50% Panthers, Tar Heels? What's the ratio of who you're covering and how and what you're putting on the site? I really try to do it all, and it's, trust me, it's a, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot going – doing college football on Saturday and then running and doing NFL on Sunday. And now that college basketball is about to start, it's about to get even crazier. Um, but you, you try to, I try to prioritize, I really try to do it all. And I've been, I've been fairly successful at doing that. But if, if I have, you know, a, a, a UNC, 
uh, earlier this year, UNC and South Carolina played at the same time that NC State was playing. I don't even remember who they were playing. But uh, I will, if, if necessary, I will prioritize based on the bigger matchup um, and what uh, I feel like viewers on my site would appreciate and be more interested in. Uh, but usually I really I really try to do it all. This Saturday I'm going to do UNC App State and head right on over to, to NC State and do NC State Ball State, and then I'm driving back to Charlotte and I'm going to catch a flight and do the Panthers in Arizona. Then I'm coming back on Monday and Duke has their media day, so I'm going to do Duke basketball media day. So, you know, it, it, it's tiresome, uh, but you got to do what you got to do. Sure, sure. We're talking with Best I Hurt, CarolinaBlitz.com, on Twitter at Best I Hurt, and at Keep Blitzing for all of the Carolina Blitz coverage. Panthers got to be dominating the thing. And first of all, let me just say, full disclosure, I'm a Cowboys fan. Terry is a Cowboys oh. fan. That way you know you know what you're working with. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I thought you guys were from Kentucky. Oh, we are. That, we that's are. correct. Yeah. Okay. No protein in Kentucky uh, as far as NFL. No, and, and, you know, the Bengals are the closest professional team for both of us, and neither one of us went that route as kids. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> gotcha. And also, full disclosure, the last year for the season opener, I was in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. Watching my mm-hmm. Cowboys put up eight points in a loss to the Panthers that you covered so very thoroughly. Yeah. So I wish these Panthers had showed up last year for the opener because they, you know, they got a few more problems so far. They got a few more problems this year. <laughs> they, they do. They got a few more problems this year. You know, it's 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 a different team. I think defensively they're better as opposed to last year. They they struggled um, defensively, and it's complete. You know, completely inverse. Where now it seems like the offense is struggling, and the defense is kind of gaining their footing relatively. But yeah, it's it's you know, it's this is what's going on with the Panthers now. It just seems to be a continuation of what always happened with them. Close games. Uh, Ron Rivera loves saying missed opportunities. Uh, so it's, it's they they always seem to put themselves in a position where they're one or two plays uh, from losing a game or losing a game. And so it's it's been a rollover from last season into this year. And I think they just have to find a way to get out of this, you know, get over the hump. Um, and I don't know if it'll happen this week. Cam Newton is injured. He hasn't practiced all week. Um, that was in the locker room today, and the guys, it seems like they're preparing to have Kyle Allen under center on, on Sunday against Arizona. So, you know, it's just, you just, it's, 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 it's always interesting with the Panthers. Even when they went 15 and one, it was, it was nothing where they blew out teams. It was always, you know, close games and that, that, that nickname, the cardiac cast is well earned. For sure. And giving back to Kale, you know, coming into this year, they want to redeem themselves after starting 6-2 and then going 1-7 down the stretch. Tough game with the reigning NFC champs to start the season. 
But if Cam doesn't hurt his foot in the preseason or if Cam doesn't play in the preseason, either scenario, are they still 0-2 now or based on what you've seen from the rest of the squad in these first two games or are they at least 1-1? One one? How do you think it's playing out if he – or is he still banged up and gimpy? Uh, you know, I don't know. I've talked to a couple of other media members, and, and you know, we amongst ourselves see a a change in Newton. I think, you know, he said in his in his post game presser after the Thursday night loss that he's tired of being hurt, and and you can really see it in his demeanor and in his attitude, and and how you know you can see it on the field. Um, and, you know, I can't imagine playing a sport and constantly fighting injuries. We saw what happened with Andrew Luck just said, bump it. I'm tired of it. I'm about to retire. And so, you know, I think that Cam is at a breaking point right now where, you know, it, it seems like he's always hurt. He's always rehabbing, and, it, and it's taxing on, on a guy. But, you know, it, I think that if Cam weren't, be labored by these injuries. Yeah, I think it would be a different outcome. I don't. I didn't like that fourth down call uh, on Thursday Night Football where they went uh, to Christian McCaffrey on the edge instead of running Cam Newton up the middle. I don't know if that had to do with injuries. Whether Cam, you know, said I don't want to. I don't want to do a sneak on fourth and you know half a yard. Um, but that's all we saw. You know, at the beginning of his career, is that was an automatic first down. That was something that opposing teams could—they knew it was coming, but they couldn't stop it. And they go with a different play. I think the outcome would have been different. Um, he did look rusty uh, on the during the first game, and you know, I—I just—I chopped it up to rust. I don't know if it's, it has to do with injuries. Uh, I do feel like, and, and I'm not a not a football player, but it seems like guys may need to get a few reps preseason just to knock the rust off. I mean, you play in practice, but that's definitely not full speed and that's not going against opposing opposing teams. But then you have the other flip side of it where, you know, Cam injures his foot. And so now, you know, he's still dealing with with another injury outside of the shoulder, and now he's dealing with the foot. And so, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a darn if you do, darn if you don't with that whole preseason thing. But I do feel like if Cam were a little more healthy um, mentally and physically, uh, the outcomes of at least one of those games would have been different. Okay. Uh-huh. And you, you mentioned Andrew Luck. We're talking about the best I heard, CarolinaVince.com, covering all things Carolina and Panthers, Hornets, uh, Tar Heels, all across the board. You mentioned Andrew Luck, and, you know, he just – when you go into week one feeling like you're in the middle of the season and, you know, bump it, and Cam is kind of a lot of similarities there, we've seen him take a pounding. We've seen him take kill shots that weren't even penalized a few years ago that should have been, you know, been at least mm-hmm. flagged for, and, you know, the ref just looking at him take a shot. It's funny that you say, it's not funny, but it's ironic that you say the Andrew Luck. You know, big, strong guy, but the hits take their toll no matter how big and strong and physically imposing you are. Yeah, I think, and it's important. I think sometimes we overlook 
and I kind of alluded to it, but there's a mental aspect to this. And, you know, you might be healthily, healthy mentally. Uh, I may liken it to I tore my ACL playing basketball in high school. And, you know, after even after I rehabbed and, you know, they say that your ACL is stronger after you have the surgery. But even after I rehabbed in games, you know, I would always think about, you know, my ACL tear. Mentally, I, I was still thinking about that, and I would wear my brace. And it took a while, but I knew mentally I was, I was, I was, I had moved on when I just stopped playing without my brace. And I think it's the same thing. I think he has somewhat of a mental crutch or mental brace going on. Um, and then once he is able to get rid of that, you know, maybe maybe we'll be able to see some of the the old traits of a of a healthy Cam Newton. But but right now it's it's tough for him. And, and similarly, like Andrew Luck, probably some blame should go on the front office for not building the offensive line as good as they should have or could have. Or maybe they said they did and didn't really. And I feel the same thing could happen to Deshaun Watson if they're not careful in Houston. He was, you know, taking a lot of shots and, and could be in that same boat. So, uh. Unfortunately, with, with athletic and mobile quarterbacks, who uh, typically happen to be <laughs> happen to be black, you know, they assume that, oh, okay, maybe I think that maybe protection when it comes to the offensive line takes a back seat because they know that they can scramble to get out of certain situations when it shouldn't be that way. Um, there have been a lot of questions about whether they surrounded Cam with the right weapons or, or if they paid a close enough attention to, to getting him a good offensive line um, and and now you have to ask whether they've wasted his best years, um, and and you know that that's a to me that's a relevant question right now with all that he's handling. Absolutely, and TV man's up in any time. You know, I ain't trying to just talk all over you. One um, one question I had is that that viral clip of Paul Feinbaum going in mm-hmm. on Cam Newton and Ryan yeah. Clark checked him in real time, but from, from being there in Carolina, how, how is that? First of all, the shot just seems really, really personal at Cam Newton. It, it just seems over the top to me, and I'm glad Ryan Clark kind of dug in. But you said you were in the, uh, the, you know, the locker room today. Was there any talk mm-hmm. of, of that particular fine bomb clip? Were, were folks discussing that? No talk of that specifically. Um, I posted on Twitter that I'd asked Trey Boston because a lot of people are saying that Cam hasn't changed. And Trey Boston said that Cam hasn't changed, but what people ask of him has changed. And um, he gave an example of how, you know, back when the team was successful, people said he celebrated too much. And now they're saying that, oh, he's not as jovial and, and, and as entertaining as he was in the past. Um, it's always been it's always been a, a, a criticism from Cam, and I think a lot of time it's been unfair. Uh, and you have media members who may not like him for whatever reason, um, and and their dislike of him feeds into their analysis of them. That is a prime example. Um, but you know, Cam hasn't had it easy. And he's always been like I remember when he first got drafted into Carolina. People wanted to take Andrew Luck, 
because Andrew Luck decided to stay in school the extra year. Everybody in Carolina was like, oh, we're going to get Andrew Luck. He's a great guy. And it was almost like Cam Newton was a consolation prize. So it, it seems like every year of his career, Cam Newton has to prove himself. Even after the 2015 MVP season, it's yeah. like, oh, well, that was a fluke. So, you know, I, I think some of that is – some of that is, you know – some of that is race-driven. Uh, some of that is just personal vendettas that people have against him. Um, but the, these are issues that he's been dealing with all along. And, and shout-out to Ryan Clark for checking that on the spot. I actually just watched that video right before I called you guys because I had heard people talking about it. I hadn't had a chance to look at it. But, you know, it happens, it happens all the time. But, the guys in the locker room love Cam. They have his back. They respect him. They see his desire for the game. Um, and so I guess I guess to him that that's what matters. It, it one question sure. I, I had to ask when it comes to Cam Newton, the, the post-game fashion, that has become <laughs> an Internet thing on what is Cam going to wear today? How is that received? in Charlotte, in the North Carolina area? We're used to it. Uh, I think it's more like I'll do a dripping or tripping when I see his pregame outfits. <laughs> and last year I kind of started it because, you know, he always you – know, he takes pride in his outfits. And this is – he's very into fashion and the scarves are his thing. And y'all are just now getting on to it. But I was tweeting about those scarves during training camp he was wearing these scarves and I, I just didn't I didn't understand it but that's his swag and I mean I think that he tries to think outside of the box and, and do different things and some people might not mess with it. I mean but he doesn't care. That's his that's his swag and you know <laughs> I think I think his outfit without the scarf would be well received. I think the scarf is what throw it was throwing people off but like I said, that's his thing, and, you know, he wants to be different. He wants to be outside of the box, and to him, that, that's fashion, and he's going to rock with it, I guess. <laughs> Had to ask about that. Talk about Vastar Hurt, Carolina Blitz, at Vastar Hurt, and at Keep Blitzing on Twitter. Let's shift it real quick to, to the NBA, of course, you know, covering the Hornets. We, we got a lot of Former Kentucky guys on the squad right now. PJ Washington just got drafted. Michael Kidd Giftress has been over there for a while. Malik Monk has been over there for a little bit as well. I don't know about y'all. I'm surprised Malik has, you know, struggled a little more than I thought he would over there after the, the year he had at Kentucky. How what's the perception of the Hornets and and of the Kentucky guys on the team, you know, being that they're from that other blue blood school that isn't UNC. Or Duke. Don't leave out Duke. I know y'all hate well, Duke, I mean, but... I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, people here don't... They're not, they're, not, they're not rocking with the Kentucky guys that much. I mean, it was... It, the, the one Kentucky guy that they wanted and should have gotten, Anthony Davis, ended up going to New Orleans. I think that the, the Hornets franchise has been reeling ever since. They didn't get that number one pick. Uh, you got MKG, who was kind of, you know, he hasn't. He was supposed to be a twenty and ten guy. He's not really a twenty and ten guy. 
Malik Monk was supposed to be a score at will guy, and I don't know if it's a system. I don't know if it's a learning curve. He has the the offensive um, skill set. It just hasn't been translated that much into games. Um, and um, PJ Hornets fans hated that pick. They hated that pick. Uh, it would be nice for them. To, I, I'm just telling. They hated the pick. Uh, people thought that there were better options available. So you know, it's it, there's a lot of. Um, Hornets fans who are not happy with the franchise, people in Charlotte are, are, are very discouraged about it and and what and the and the and the path that they've taken, um, and they don't see where anything is getting better. So, uh, you know, I hope things get better. It would be nice to have a, a winning uh, NBA team in the hoop state, but as of right now, it's just it's looking bleak. It's looking bleak for this upcoming season, especially with the departure of of Kimba Walker, who was kind of, you know, carrying that carrying the Hornets on his back. Hoping that PJ comes in with that. Got to prove myself. They were, I'm telling you guys, the they, time were, like him. they were not happy about that at all. Was it? Uh, was it Knicks? fans booing the unicorn bad? Was it that level of they dislike? They did. They did. They did boo him. And, wow. and it didn't work out that – I mean, he was good. He's a good player. But it didn't work out that well long term for them with him. But he was a, he was a better pick than what people originally thought. I think that they right. feel like P.J. does not have the offensive skill set that, that they think the team needs in order to be successful. I hope he wins him over. I gotta gotta shift it real quick to to food right before we let you go. Uh, I'm not trying to name drop, but I've I've gotten to know Steph Curry's aunt Jackie, who's on the, the John Boy and Billy show over there. He's been on their radio for years in Charlotte. They did some comedy shows in Asheville, and we met him over there, and he's kind of been keeping in contact ever since. But we'll go over there and visit with them, and I keep being in shock because she has never been to Mert's Heart and Soul on College Street there in mm-hmm. Charlotte. Please tell me that you have because I go there every time I'm in Charlotte. Because I don't know about once. every time, but of course I've been to Mert. I mean, if you were if you were visiting, you live three or four hours away, would you? I mean, and not, not driving by it every day, you probably would frequent it a little more. Like I would have made right? Maybe. I don't know. But they have it there. It's in they've, they've been there yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we'll, and I'm, you know, we're over there once a year, sometimes twice a year, and we'll pop in there and we'll get some chicken and some catfish, some macaroni and cheese and pound cake and sweet tea. And Collard greens so and all that. Just, all that. Yeah. So I'm just proving my point that Jackie, I mean, I know when something's there and you're used to seeing it, you kind of just take it for granted. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm shocked that she hasn't here. been at least once, at least once. Yeah, people people from here will drive past Dollywood to go to Six Flags or Carowinds, just like people down there drive right by Carowinds to go to Bush Gardens or wherever. You know, when something's there, you just yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you kind of tune it out. You're right. <laughs> so Absolutely. I'm, I'm, you know, 
I'm glad that you have been in there, and I'm glad that you came on our show. And it's been cool seeing you tweet and your coverage of the press conferences of Rivera and all the guys in the locker room, Eric Reed and, and all the Panthers guys. And looking forward to all the content that you crank out when basketball season gets rolling as well. Did you squeeze in Carolina uh, Hurricanes too? I mean, I'm I, you know, I I know my lanes, you know, and 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 hockey is one of them. So, <laughs> no, you will not get any you will not get any hurricanes coverage from me unless I hire somebody to do it. But me, no. But I will be in New York covering Kentucky, Michigan State. Um, so that that should be. I usually do the State Farm Champion Champions Classic. So Duke will play Kansas, I think, and. Michigan State and Kentucky will play. So that'll be a good thing. That, that's my next Kentucky-type deal. That's the nightcap. You're going to have to, that's going to be a late night for you. <laughs> it's, 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 all, it's always a late night for me. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vesta, I can't thank you enough for, for hopping on and being willing to come on our show and, and talk some sports with us, a little soul food. Enjoyed every minute of it and, and hope the rest of the evening goes well. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me. You're welcome. Have a good night. Thank you. Vashti Hurt, CarolinaBlitz.com, on Twitter, at Vashti Hurt. And check out the content on Twitter, at Keith Blitzen. Keith doing her Carolina thing. And she's bad, man. I knew she she would bring it. I see Michelle commenting, talking about who is she. She knows her stuff. And... Once I ran across you on Twitter, I knew last time was bad, and she's going to bring it now. Absolutely, absolutely. And and this goes to – I'm glad we had her on. Uh, I, I, something I'm working on, I've been working on, on, on Cameron Miller's radio is uh, women in sports. Like, at some point, men, we have to do better because – as we just saw, there are a lot of women that know sports better than we do. And just because you didn't play a sport doesn't mean you can't talk about it, write about it, blog about it, podcast about it. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And you see all the pushback that the Jamel Hill and the Sarah Spains and, and all those ladies get just for saying something obvious. I think we have to do a better job because these these ladies, these women are are bringing it. You know, uh, just a quick story about that. Uh, little Miss was having an issue at school. Some little boy said she didn't know about sports because girls didn't know about sports. And she came home, found her press pass where she had covered some UK events <laughs> with me, and said to this boy, "Oh." See, I get to cover the sport, so maybe you don't know yeah. what you're talking about. So <laughs> that, and that's why I always chime in. If people follow me and uh, the and the sports ladies when they're going at it with some meathead in the comments, I chime in to support them because number one, it's wrong that they have to put up with that. That should not be the cost yeah. of doing business as a sports reporter. That's number one. Exactly. And number two, mm-hmm. I hate they have to put up with it, but I let them know, hey, I've, I've, got, I've got these girls looking up to you and seeing what you're doing, so it is appreciated. 
you know, it's it, it's a it's a crazy situation. They have to deal with that. But uh, you know, I wish I wish it was not that way. But again, I love following uh, uh, women sports writers, listening to, to women podcasts. Uh, and I'm not trying to come at this from I'm some enlightened guy. Look, go go back in my past. I said a lot of sexist stuff. Girls don't know anything about sports. I was that guy. I made jokes about the WNBA. You know, but I, yeah. it's the, the saying, once you know better, then you have to do better. I believe that's a biblical yeah. phrase. I have to check on that one. So uh, I, I enjoy that kind of thing. And when they come on and just bring it, <laughs> like our last guy had it brought in, woo, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Yep, 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 exactly. So thank you again to Fast I Hurt, uh, com covering all things North Carolina, Tar Heels, Wolfpack, Duke, Panthers, Hornets. You know, she's grinding and doing her thing. Take us a quick break. We'll get into Little Mississippi State. I thought we're going to look at Kentucky basketball, TV, and Cal talking with some stuff about, you know, expectations for this upcoming season. And, and Cal is re-energized with all these recruits coming in and, Little NFL talk, you know, both our teams 2-0, and so we got to squeeze that in. And we were on the radio Sunday. Let's talk about the radio show that we were on, having a lot of fun uh, over the weekend. So uh, squeeze all that in and more. Going into the second hour, Cats Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com, brought to you by Smoky Mountain Trader, and Huff Law Office. So stay right with us. We'll play a quick song, and we'll be right on back here now.
We are back. We are back. Cast Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, com. brought to you by Smoky Mountain Trader and Huff Law Office. Hour number two, rolling right along. Got TB's perspective, being at Kroger Field for the heartbreaking loss to Florida. Um, 21-10, couldn't knock them out. Uh, I do think that they will bounce back Saturday against Mississippi State. When we did the game-by-game win-loss predictions, I had them beating Florida and then losing to Mississippi State. So if they, you know, get a win Saturday, it will be in reverse of that and still have them at 3-1 and one, uh, and, and still in position to do some good things the rest of the way. Heading into South Carolina, you know, another road game, back-to-back road games against teams that you you beat both of them last year at home. Of course, the five-game winning streak over South Carolina uh, stumped Mississippi State last year with their vaunted defense, and Benny Snell, of course, went wild on them. Um, Mississippi State lost at home to Kansas State. Yeah. So they, of course, will be looking to get that bad taste out of their mouth. Joe Moorhead, you know, second year down there. And, and, I mean, not saying they're ready to run him off, but they probably, you know, wish he was doing a little bit better. Probably didn't see him losing to Kansas State at home last Saturday. Probably didn't see their quarterback getting spun like a helicopter that was getting that more and John Elway combined. And for y'all young kids, look up both of those. Look up John Elway in the Super Bowl. Look up Nat Moore helicopter spin, like 1985 or whatever that was. This dude was both of those combined. (laughs) He was like eight or nine feet in the air coming straight down on his back. Got popped and then popped. The second pop just shot him just skyward. So unbelievably high. Um, so we don't even know what quarterback they're going to be facing unless they announce it today. We don't know if that dude's playing or if they got to get somebody else ready. That was a heck of a shot. But Kentucky's going to have to be ready for whoever. Uh, so they can go down there and try to get a hard-fought win because Mississippi State's wanting to and needing to get a win as well. And, you know, they think they can come out and beat Kentucky. And Kentucky – you know, feel the same way. Mississippi State's a team that you should be able to beat on a regular basis if you want to do what you want to do in the SEC. I I think that we'll win. I, I feel confident uh, in in this team. Uh, I can't even remember my preseason predictions. I just know there's eight wins that were on the schedule. We got two out of the way. The two we had to have. So, so now we've got a couple of toss-up games coming up. We've got to get to go our way. And I feel confident about that. Uh, because as you pointed out, it's like in years past, road games, I, I would say, you know what? Let's just not get embarrassed. But when you look at the last few years, we have won on the road in the SEC. You know, you, you look at last year, you know, at Missouri at Texas A&M. So I feel confident we can go to Starkville and, and get to three and one. Uh, I, I don't have the pay, uh, the person by person uh, 
kind of uh, breakdown for you, but I'll, I'll say that the, that the Cats win. Yeah, I believe they will too. Uh, you know, there's weaknesses, there's things they're still trying to clean up. But you just, I just feel confident that they'll be able to. You know, Cyrus Smith just played his first game after being put in as a starter against Florida. Uh, was playing well. Uh, a couple of bad interceptions, a couple of passes we wish he would have back. But now he's he's got one game under his belt, and he's been in this situation previously last year at Troy. Um, Got to think he'll be more comfortable as the games go along. And until you play Georgia, the the defense that he will face won't be on Florida's level. So he came out and did what he did against Florida, you know, on the fly. You know, he didn't get a you know <clears throat> full week where he got you know he got a full week of practice, uh, but the transition will just continue to get better for him as we go along. Um, the running back situation, like you mentioned, maybe maybe smoke will solidify that. Work Rodriguez back in, get through these target targeting ejections. Going to be a little thin. And losing Phil Hoskins uh, got hurt right before warm-ups. After serving a two-game suspension, you get him back, add some more depth to an already strong defensive line. I just think they, if they go down there and show up, they will beat Mississippi State. I, I, I feel confident that the Cats get the three and one. Uh, I think we're going to continue that trend for where bowl eligibility will be taken care of by Halloween. You know, I just <laughs> – you know, it, it, I think, again, when you start looking at, well, is this program making progress? It is. Like, it is. I, I just, you know, I, I feel that way. Get the three and one, halfway to bowl eligibility, take a deep breath, go to game, uh, uh, the Gamecock land down there in Columbia. Once you get the four and one, which is possible, okay. I, I like our chances. Because, again, this Florida team in Georgia, there's still a chance they could drop some games, right? You know, so you're not even out of the SEC East race yet. Now, if I'd have said that four years ago, you would have said, get off this show. You're talking crazy talk about Kentucky being the SEC race, right? I mean, it's crazy talk. But it's a legit thing that happened last year. So, uh, not to beat a dead horse, again, I feel confident as we move forward against Mississippi State. And just glancing at Georgia's schedule real quick, uh, anybody can have a clunker or, or whatever, but they are – because they got a big one with Notre Dame this Saturday. That doesn't do anything to the conference standings, and I think they'll smoke Notre Dame anyway. And you know, kind of hope they do, just because you know um, I've never been a Notre Dame fan. Uh, at Tennessee, South Carolina at home, Kentucky at home. The week after Kentucky, Georgia plays Florida at Jacksonville, Missouri. And they end the conference play at Auburn and then Texas A&M at home. That's 
that's a rough little twosome there at the end before they finish up with Georgia uh, Georgia Tech. Um, they are, you know, the front runner in the East, but you know, anybody can slip up. Um, could they be looking ahead to Florida when Kentucky comes to town? You know, you never know. You don't see them losing to Tennessee or South Carolina. You know, they'll be favored, of course, to beat Kentucky down there as well. But you never know. As Chris Berman says, and that's why they play the games. So uh, we'll see. And that Auburn-Texas A&M is going to be tough. So there's a chance to take advantage of their slip-up if you handle your business the rest of the way. Right. And, again, we're not talking crazy talk. Kentucky very well is still in this thing. So, uh, yeah. like I said, I, I, I feel good about where the program is. Bad loss, and, you know, you're only as good as your last game, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel confident uh, that this, this coaching staff is going to get it together. Yeah. Switch to basketball real quick. Man, we got to give some congrats as everybody probably knows by now, Michael Mulder and signed a deal with the Heat. Uh, last time we talked about the former Cats everywhere, but we talked about them down there with the Hornets. And uh, I think PJ comes with the right mindset. He can win those Hornets fans over. Uh, he wouldn't be the first draft pick to not be well-received to eventually have them in his corner. Um, Bam Adebayo... The Heat love him. They love uh, Tyler Hero. And now Michael Mulder has taken a different journey, but has continued to work hard after leaving Kentucky and now finds himself uh, signing a contract with the Miami Heat organization. So, man, big congrats to him. We were, you know, in his corner at Kentucky. That was my guy, kind of my pick to click every game. I was always hoping for big things from Mulder. Had a few flashes where he shot the ball well. But good to see him continue to work on his game uh, and get rewarded with the deal with the Heat. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, anytime you can see the Big Blue fam expanding, you got to, or getting, following their dreams, I should say, uh, that's a great day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And. As we're talking about Sunday, man, we were able to hop on a show with friends of ours who have been on this show. Uh, we posted it all on our social media, put it up on the Facebook page and Twitter page. We were on Brunch with the Buds with the Kentucky Taste Buds. Tamara Schneider and Lee Roach had us on. Uh, we talked about the game. We talked about all things Kentucky. We talked fashion. We talked bourbon. We talked food. Your daughter, Little Miss Lauren, was on there, and she was holding her own and carrying the show. We just had a fun little chat with the Kentucky Taste Buds. It, it was great. Uh, we had a great day leading up to that. I was able to take Little Miss. We went and caught the soccer match, but women's soccer, uh, Kentucky women's soccer versus IU. Uh, Coach Ian Carey was nice enough to invite us, and we got to stay in his uh, coach's box, nice and air-conditioned out of the sun. That was fantastic. So uh, we had a great day there, and then able to visit with the Taste Buds and talk to them and 
and, and, and Lauren, my youngest, has not stopped smiling since. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, I'm glad it, with all the stuff they're doing, highlighting, showcasing Kentucky, uh, both of our home states, you know, what they've been able to do going around to different festivals and different museums and different events and carnivals and you name it, uh, that's great. Uh, I think they're doing a, a great job highlighting a lot of the things that make the, the Commonwealth unique. Yeah, yeah. So uh, appreciate them thinking of us and wanting to reach out in, in Colorado. So glad it was able to work out. You were able to be there in the studio after all the fun you and Lauren had. And then they were able to touch me in and let me call in. It was on it's on SoundCloud and we put it on our Facebook page and, and tweeted it out and uh, they did as well on their Facebook page, Kentucky Taste Buds. Um, so give it a listen if you want to. Uh, you hear us a lot and it's good to hear us on a different show. Uh, talking about all kind of fun stuff and having a good time with it. Uh, and thanks to the Kentucky Taste Buds again for doing that. So that was a blast. Um Two and zero for the Cowboys and the Niners. You know we uh, aren't feeling the way they are over in Charlotte about the Panthers right now. Even though last year you were kind of where they are right now with having to deal with a quarterback who's injured. Not sure how long Cam may or may not be out, but your boy Jimmy G was gone for the season. Uh, now he's back, and you guys. Beat Tampa Bay, who turned around and beat those same Panthers that we just talked about with Vastai. And then you came to Cincinnati and, and stumped Cincinnati. I thought you and your boy Huff were going to go up there, but they said we'll win for y'all since y'all aren't here in Cincinnati to check us out in person. Yeah, usually I go uh, to the 49ers when the 49ers play in Cincinnati. The way the schedule works out, NFC West and AFC North, only play 49ers only come every seven years so the last few Mm -hmm. times I've actually been this one snuck up on me and I ended up with having my plate full on Sunday like I said usually I try to go uh, but wasn't able to do that Uh, but when I was checking the score I was saying okay well you know this would have been the game to go to because this was an absolute (laughs) this this was a beat down and and yeah Yeah. 2-0 is great but you know, with Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, I'm not willing to say Super Bowl or bust just yet. Let's, let's a few more, a few more wins. I want to get out. You know, I want to see what's going on. It's two and zero. It's nice and it's great, but we have all seen two and zero teams finish eight and eight. You know, finish six and ten. So, uh, yeah. But definitely two and zero is better than zero and two. Better than one and one. But I, I'm not ready uh-huh. to, to jump jump on that uh, just yet. Steelers uh, come to uh, the first home game this weekend. They'll be without Ben Roethlisberger. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, but, you know, once they get to 3-0, and I-, I think you can start having some, some different kind of uh, conversations. And, you know, they, they need to kind of pounce on the Steelers. They're limping into 
Levi Stadium or, or Wrangler Field, whatever it is out there now, they're hobbling in and they're vulnerable. Young, inexperienced quarterback, you know, jump on them and you can very well be off to that 3-0 and start. Um, but just the, the list of guys, the quarterback position has just really had it rough these first two weeks and even before the season started. You know, we, we just talked about Andrew Luck not even healthy enough to start the season. The toll that it had taken on him, where he said, I'm just going to retire because I can't live the life I want to live. I can't feel the way I want to feel. This continuous cycle of pain. Ben Roethlisberger, like you just mentioned, lost for the season with the elbow. Drew Brees gone for, they said, six weeks with the thumb ligament damage. Cam Newton, we'll see if he goes or if he doesn't. Looks like they might be getting the backup ready down there. With the foot injury that he re-aggravated from his injury in the preseason, Nick Foles, who was in Jacksonville, first game of the season, out to week 11 with the collarbone. Um, Eli Manning gets benched, not hurt, but benched. So a lot of big-name quarterbacks have had some rough starts to the 2019 season. Yeah, it's it's. It's one of those things. I think we we get this type of season every like five or six years in the NFL. You remember a few years ago, uh, Tom Brady got hurt in the first game, and then it just seemed like an avalanche of a lot of starters went down. Uh, these kinds of things seem to seem to go in cycles. Uh, I think we're reaching that point where uh, we see just a generation of quarterbacks get old. You know, uh, you know, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger have been in the league since 2004. Philip Rivers as well. It's hard to believe, but that's, you know, that's a that's a career. You know, that's a long time. Drew uh, mm-hmm. Brees, I, I think, is around that time, if I'm not mistaken. I think he might have been a year or so, maybe ahead, because him and Rivers, I think, split time in San Diego, if I remember correctly. But uh, you know, injuries happen. Uh, the one thing I want to talk about real quick, and I've been dogging Eli Manning, and I still <laughs> say that his career is the most unique we have seen, maybe in professional sports. Mm-hmm. In North American professional sports, because right now, Eli Manning is 500 as an NFL quarterback. 184 yeah. and 184. He's 500. That's number one. I didn't realize this until I listened to Bomani Jones' uh, podcast yesterday, The Right Time. The only playoff win Eli Manning has on the two runs to the Super Bowl. Mm. Like, that, that's just – that's like for, – for example, you know, you're a Rockets fan. If the Rockets didn't win any playoff series with Akeem Olajuwon except in 94-95, like it's just wow. – it's 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 weird. Uh, he's got two of the best postseason runs of any quarterback ever. But other than that, he was mediocre at best. So he's going to get into the Hall of Fame based on those two Super Bowls mm-hmm. and who he beat. But man, that's just that's just strange to me. 
you know, four Pro Bowls in 16 years isn't great. I'm not sure he led the league in touchdowns or yardage or anything like that. He led the league in interceptions three different times. But yeah, but I will say this. I saw an interview with him today. And for a guy that's been, I would say, mediocre at best, to survive in New York with the New York media, that alone should get him into the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't think we have seen someone that's been a 500 quarterback, a 500 player, be treated as well by the, the New York media as Eli Manning has. So I tip my hat to him for that. But as a football player, like he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. And I've been saying it forever, but it's, it's just going to be one of those. Okay, yeah, I, I guess. And he beat Tom Brady in, to win both of his titles, just like, you know, Steph beat LeBron for all of his, I think. But, yeah, he beat Tom Brady once, and then he beat him again. When he's 18-0, and 0, about to eclipse the 72 Dolphins as the perfect team. Uh, so... Yeah, it's, it's, that is really weird. Unique, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so seeing this changing of the guards, uh, you know, Brady still doing Tom Brady things, but uh, and what we also kind of forget about, we talked about Cam Newton being a big, strong guy, taking punishment. Big Ben has been doing that for years. You know, mm-hmm. Andrew Luck did that for a while. At some point, it catches up with you. And and we can talk about, you know, Peyton Manning getting rid of the ball, ducking, uh, Tom Brady in the pocket, ducking. Those are the guys that last, right? The, the guys that, <laughs> that, that, that roll out, that are mobile, because all it takes is the one hit to really kind of change how you do things. Uh, it happened to Steve Young, you know, Randall Cunningham when he was with the Vikings. You know, you're used to being able to escape, and when you can't escape and you can't stand in the pocket, you take the one shot that kind of changes everything. So that's what we're seeing. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh has got to has got to move on uh, from Ben. Uh, when it comes to franchises, I trust the Steelers. You know, they've only had like three coaches in 50 years. <laughs> you know, they've got six Lombardi trophies. So you know, if you're going to trust it. A, a franchise to to do the right thing, it would be the Steelers. You know, they I don't think they've ever hit rock bottom like my Niners have, uh, like your Cowboys have for a little bit. They've always kind of been, you mm-hmm. know, if not in the playoffs, they don't get eliminated to week 16 or 17. So uh, I think they'll build up. Uh, they'll rebuild that defense. They've done it time and time again from the Steel Curtain to the Greg Lloyd days, to the uh, uh, James Harrison, Troy Polamalu days. You know, I think that's their identity. That's how they'll do it. Uh, from Franco Harris to, to, to Barry Foster to uh, famous Amos Zareway for a little bit. For you know, <laughs> those folks who love to say that's famous a, Amos. Uh, that's a blast to, to, to the bus. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think they'll be able to, to grind that out to, to fast Willie Parker uh, and to Le'Veon Bell. The, the, the Steelers know what they want to do, 
and I think they their identity has probably been the same since the 70s. We're going to get a quarterback that's going to make enough plays down the field. We're going to play hella defense, and we're going to run the ball. I mean, that's that's just been the Steelers' mo for 50 years. So uh, I think uh, that's what the, that, that's how they'll kind of regroup uh, from there. Yeah. Um, switching it up to the USA basketball, we we talked about their struggles and how do they move on and where do they go from where they are right now. A couple of you know helpers are on the way for 2020. Um, announced that Steph Curry and Damian Lillard have already committed to the 2020. Olympic team, um, talked about the level of star that was on this roster that just went and finished seventh in that tournament, and we're already exceeding that with McCurry and Willard. Will that prompt others of that level or closer to that level to do the same thing? So, um, you know, Two steps have already been taken to kind of redeem what happened that's in our minds now for USA basketball. We're carrying another two great guards, provide shooting. Lillard can do it all, get to the rim as well. And we'll see how they, you know, build the rest of the way. But to see those two say, all right, I'm coming, is that's a good thing. That's a positive for USA basketball. Yeah, and I figured that the, the Olympics has a little bit more cachet than this this the FIBA tournament. Uh, but yeah. still, I think I still believe there's some things that are endemic to the current setup. I, I just even though it, it quote unquote didn't matter, finishing seventh, that still got to leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So. 2020 will be here before we know it. It'll be summer, and we'll be watching to see how they compete with the rest of the world going for the gold. Um, <clears throat> this season will be here before we know it, too. Like a, like a week and a half from now, it'll be media days for all the teams, and training camp will be starting, and, um, and Dwight Howard will be acclimating himself to purple and gold again. Speaking of, that, that tweet I quoted for you last week, we didn't talk about it, but the fact that he he bought a purple car because he thought he was Thor. What was that? You know, just the more information to make you feel extra confident of, about him. Because you were confident, and then you saw some stuff that was like, oh, I take that all back. Then we see that he bought a Thor car. I think he's Thor. So I, I know you're thrilled. It's, it's, it's Thanos. It's Thanos. He bought a purple Thanos. car for oh, okay. Thanos from the Marvel movie. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> the thing is, D- Dwight is—he's—he's he's Peter Pan. He—he—he he doesn't want to grow up. Like buying a car based on a Marvel movie—that's something you do as a rookie. Like Dwight's been in the league since like what, two thousand five or something. I mean, he's been in the league a long time. Yeah, he's a grown man. So yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, again, I, I thought it was funny that. You know, when they were talking about what will and won't be accepted, that it was, mm-hmm. of all people, 
it was Rajon Rondo that was, was giving him advice. So that should let you know how things but, – but here's the thing about that. Uh, it can work. There's something. There are some places where this kind of show can work. So I'm not. I'm not as worried about it. If I would. If it was Cleveland, okay. That 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 can't handle. But LA is LA. Like the the Lakers. They it's been showtime. Like they won three championships with two with two teammates that didn't like each other. That, that hated each other. So to me, that's that, you know you, you think back to the. The, the, the old uh, Yankees with Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson, they threw punches at each other. So <laughs> you don't have to love each other. You can have circuses going on. You know, the Bulls, Michael Jordan was so big that Dennis Rodman, anywhere else, Dennis Rodman would have been the main headline. But when you even, you know, you look back at the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30, even with everything he was doing, Michael Jordan was still the show. You know, you, you, you and, I, and I think that no matter what Dwight does, it's still LeBron, it's still the Lakers. Even his bizarreness is still only going to be the third paragraph when you talk about the Lakers. So I, I feel, mm-hmm. you know, I still feel they're going to be top three or four seed, you know, in the West. I just feel the talent is that good. Uh, I think Dwight Howard will get in line. So he's going to be like the little brother. Everybody's going to tell him to shut up. And, and, you know, he'll go out here, rebound, and block shots, and, and he's going to do that. They finished top three or four to win. So I'll tip my cap. If Frank Vogel and LeBron and, and, and AD can all, if they can do that, and look, it's, it's, gonna, it's disappointing not being able to root for AD now that he plays for the Lakers. That's how it's going to be. <clears throat> if they finished in the top half of the win, that. That would be pretty impressive. I know the inning, you know, you got two of the top ten players in the league, but uh, still a lot going on <laughs> in the periphery with everybody else. And Jason oh, Kidd and, and Vogel, and now you throw in Dwight Howard, so yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Um, really fun to watch. You, know, you just mentioned the Robin Thirty for Thirty. SEC Network every Tuesday at nine. They've been doing the uh, Saturdays in the South, the eight-part series on the history of the SEC of football in the South. How it started, went way back to the 1800s. The first episode got up through the 30s. In the second episode. I think last night, like from the 30s up to 1970 or something like that, yeah, 50 to 70. Anyway, it it moved on into integration and segregation and the late 60s, and it was a lot, of course, featuring a friend of the show, fellow Louisville Kentuckian, Nate Northington, who integrated the entire SEC. So he was featured, his part in SEC history was featured in the third episode last night. So they talked with him and, of course, everything that we found out a few years prior to um, with the statues being unveiled at Kroger Field by the new training facility, um, the the black and blue documentary that they just 
made a couple years ago as well. So um, mentioned Greg Page and Houston Hogg and Wilbur Hackett and talked extensively with Nate Northington. So it was definitely good to see that again. Um, and I think they pick up with 1970 on next Tuesday. But uh, always good to see Mr. Northington get the props and recognition that he deserves. And, and 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 here's the thing too. I saw that, and I saw the SEC tweeting about Nate Norrington and, and giving Kentucky uh, its props on, on that. A lot of times, what happens is we allow popular media to 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 change the narrative on things. And I'm not going to get on soapbox about this, but since you brought it up, I want to throw my two cents in. Everybody thinks they know what UK is all about because of the movie Glory Road and Texas Western and Kentucky in 1966. Everyone wants to believe that that Kentucky was as racist as racist can be and and the school was just a a haven for the Ku Klux Klan and all this kind of stuff. When in reality, like everything in America that's over 80 years old, the University of Kentucky has a complicated racial history. As does U of L, as does every school in the Southeast. So if you're going to paint Kentucky with a broad brush because of what happened in 1966 on the basketball side, then I think we need to tell the full story of 1966 on the football side when the University of Kentucky integrated the SEC as in the premier conference for football where football is king in the southeastern United States. Mm-hmm. Meaning taking black players to Alabama, to Georgia, to Mississippi. Right? So if you're going to tell the story, tell the whole story. So I'm glad to see that uh that, that, that Nate Morrington and, and everyone else and that part of UK's history is being told. I think it's important. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Norrington a quiet guy, but he's a treasure. Um, and it's good that everybody outside of Kentucky is getting to know that. And a lot of us in Kentucky didn't know for a long time. So it's good that his story is getting told and getting on out there, even beyond the border of the Commonwealth. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we need to, to one of those things, celebrate these pioneers, these folks while they're here. Uh, let them get their yeah. flowers while they're living. That's the that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, we talked about a little bit, the Kentucky Tech Boys asked us about it Sunday. You know, our thoughts on Kentucky basketball for this season, and you know, as, most, as most are, they're optimistic. Uh, saw Kyle Tucker with a couple pieces on the athletic. Do they have enough? Is there enough <clears throat> in the front court? Um, and that's where, if I had a, a concern. That's what it would be. But do you, and you've been excited, you've been, you know, you said it on this show, you said it Sunday, 
confident, excited, ready. Can't wait. You know, not dissing football, enjoying football, and then we'll be excited for basketball when it comes. Kentucky basketball has no off season. Do you think the three bigs will be enough or will be consistent enough between the three of them to do what they need to do, you know, on a team that's loaded with perimeter players and, and has a lot more depth at the guard position? Will Nick and EJ and Nate be able to, to hold it down for the bigs? So, so the question – uh, I would the, the the argument I would make is, is this: If we all assume that the guards and the wings are going to be phenomenal, and I think most people are saying that, right? You have yeah. to say, okay, if we look back at the 2016 team, we had phenomenal Tyler Euless, we had Jamal Murray, for my money, the best backcourt in the nation that year, one of the best to ever play in blue and white but they were limited by the front court. And we kind of uh-huh. knew that, and yay, verily, it came to pass. So I love Marcus Lee. I love Alex Poitras, but we, we did not have that inside presence. So yeah. with this phenomenal guards and the phenomenal wings we have this year, do I think E.J. Montgomery, Nick Richards, and Nate Sestina, can they deliver more than that 2016 fort court, front court? I believe they can. So, Uh and that team won the SEC regular season and tournament uh, title. So, yes, I think this team can be better than that team. Yes. Uh, Like I said, and I've always, you know, thrown it out, when it comes time to fill out my brackets, uh, I write down Kentucky. Oh, I don't fill out a bracket. 2013 didn't fill one out because I can't put anybody else in that in that spot. I'm a homer. You know, some years it's crazy. You know, and and here's the thing: I won the last time I won bracket pool was 2014 because nobody else had Kentucky going that far. <laughs> so, you know, some you know, and that's the thing: they're like, man, uh, the you know, 2011. Nobody thought we were going to get past Ohio State. No real, you know, even real fans didn't even think we'd get past uh, uh, North Carolina. And I just, do, 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 mm-hmm. UK, 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 UK. <laughs> so, okay. You know, other years, you know, last year didn't work out like I thought, you know, year before. You know, so some years I look good, some years I look bad. But I just, I do that. And I'm not judging <laughs> fans. People like to do their head and their heart. I just, the first thing I do yeah. when I sit down is I put Kentucky to the championship and I work backwards. <laughs> that's just that's just how I, I roll. That's just what I believe, uh, you know, will, will, will take place. So this year isn't any different. Uh, you know, this team may not be 2012. This team may not be 1996 or 2015 or 1998. But <laughs> I think this team can be really, really good. Uh, we'll know pretty early on after the Michigan State game, kind of where we are. But like I said earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I said this on, uh, we were talking with the taste bud, we know what's going to happen. The team is not going to look great in November, December, right? They're going to look wonky. And they're going to get things right. 
and then they might drop some conference games. That shouldn't be a surprise at this point, you know, because that's what is to be expected. But I think at the end of it, get, you get to the Elite Eight, and then you just you hope things fall your way. And I, and I feel this year can be another one of those years because I think Ashton Hagen is going to make that leap. We saw flashes as a freshman. And, and, and Kyle Tucker, you talk about with the athletic, has talked about when Cal gets a point guard back, when Cal gets a guard back as a sophomore, you're looking at sophomore Deron Lamb, who, who pretty much ran the show for the most of 2012, right? Mm-hmm. You get sophomore uh, Andrew Harrison, and all he did was go 38-1. You get sophomore Tyler Eulis, and what? All he did was win every SEC award there was and be an All-American. So I'm excited about having sophomore X Vegas because we saw the flashes because for about 10 games, he was the best player in the country. Yeah. I think, I think he hit that freshman wall. So there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, if the big men can be serviceable, I feel really mm-hmm. good about this team. You know, and that's just play some defense, See? rebound, score, you know, a little bit, I, and I think that I think they'll be I think they'll be good to go. So, at worst, adequate is that what you see them being able to accomplish, and and that's all we were hoping for in 2016. You're saying the floor for these bigs is adequate, and then adequate on to good to surprising everyone and exceeding everyone's expectations. So, if, if the floor is adequate, they'll definitely be all right. And I think so. I mean, A.J. was showing some confidence there uh, when P.J. was out. You, you put some meat on his bones. You work with him. He's, he, I, I feel he's got a nice stroke from 12 to 15 feet. He's got that lefty stroke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and I think if he's got that stroke going where the, the other big's got to get him, he can get by those folks. And we've seen he can finish at the rim. So I don't think I'm talking crazy talk by saying I, I feel good about these guys. You know, people, a lot of people good didn't want EJ. Sh- <laughs> a lot of people didn't want EJ shooting. Uh, and he was even, you know, he would step out and shoot threes. I was, you know, like you, got that nice lefty shot. I was fine with him stepping out and, and shooting even out to the three-point line. Um, I don't know, with it move back, maybe not. But still, he can stretch out defenses and shoot. And the transformation that he's made physically, which is just happens when you're still late teens naturally anyway because you still got growing to do. But the work that they put in in the weight room, I mean, we've seen what they've done with the strength coach. You see how different his body looks to where – He's going into the season looking to be able to be more physical than he was last year. Looks like it's going to be a little harder to push him around. He's got some experience playing some games. He he knows the physicality, especially when you get into SEC play or playing a team like Michigan State to start the season. He'll be better equipped for that 
in addition to the, the work that he's done on his game and in addition to the natural growth that takes place while you're still a teenager. Right. And, and so I, I think EJ, we're going to see him. Nick is all about confidence, and he's got to get out yeah. of his own way. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if you hesitate at this level, you know, he who hesitates gets nothing. I mean, that's just the way it goes. The, the plays that he yeah. makes that are good is where he catches it and he makes his move. When mm-hmm. he catches it and holds on to it, it's a travel, it's a bad shot, it's, it's something like that. But if he can if they can Off run rim to rim, yeah. right. If he can run mm-hmm. rim to rim and get his butt on the block and get that in the in the guard yeah. in the ball right there, boom. Mm-hmm. He's got a beautiful hook shot. Right? So yeah. so I'd love to see I'd love to see that. Uh, when basketball season rolls around. And, um, so I, I feel good about this team. I always feel that the this year's team's always got the next championship. You know, uh, I, was ta- I, was, I forgot who I was talking to at the football game, you know, because I was, you know, had a little miss and, and we were just talking. But she is a Kentucky fan because I always make a big deal out of getting Final Four shirts for me and the girls, right? That's been our thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Lauren's thing is her last Final Four shirt from 2015, it, it's too small now. And it's been forever. Mm. It's been forever since Kentucky's been to a Final Four. So I was like, you've become a perfect <laughs> Kentucky fan that a, you know, a five-year <laughs> drought is, is forever. So... Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like we'll we'll be back in it, uh, but but also you know we went to the women's soccer game this past weekend. You know right now, uh, top ten uh, volleyball team is playing. Uh, the men soccer men have some home games, home matches this weekend. They're a top ten program. I can't stress this enough. I wish I lived in Lexington so I could go to more of these games. If you're a Kentucky fan, I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't go and check out these other sports. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know men's basketball is always going to be Kentucky. I get that. In football, I get that at Kroger Field. But but we went to the uh, Bell Soccer Complex, which is beautiful and you know <laughs> and, and fancy, which is right next to Crop Stadium for softball. And you're sitting there in the uh-huh. stadium and you can look out and you can see Kentucky Proud Park for baseball. Check <laughs> out those other uh, sports. They're working just as hard as, as the Cash Daniels, as the Terry Wilson, as the Lynn Bowden, and yeah. the EJ. They're working just as hard as those folks. And not only that, they're good. Like, there's a reason Kentucky is now a top 15 overall program. Our teams are good. So yeah. go uh, check it out. Uh, uh, Mrs. Cal, Ellen Calipari was there at the at the uh, soccer game uh, on Sunday. So go. Hmm. I encourage folks to do it. It the 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 fans or the players, the coaches are very appreciative of it. Like I said, they're working just as hard to represent the Big Blue Nation as everybody else. Uh, so, so we're intending on catching uh, at least one more soccer game. We're going to do volleyball. 
uh, Little Miss wants to see all of the girl sports, as she says. So we're going to try to to see as much uh, of those as we can this year. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I got to get to the bell. Have not done that yet. We've been for softball. Got to get to Kentucky Proud Park for baseball. Went to the cliff before. Got to get up and catch a baseball game in year two um, for sure. But I got to get to a soccer game at the complex. I got to definitely got to do that. And Purdue in a top 25 matchup in the World Coliseum. Purdue won the first set uh, against Kentucky Volleyball 25 to 21. Kentucky has got out to a 14 to 8 lead in the second set. Uh, that's the latest score update now. They're looking to even things up and then hopefully pull away uh, the rest of the way. So far, so good in set number two after dropping the first one for Coach Skinner and Kentucky Volleyball. I, I, I definitely, like I said, I want to check them out as well. So, But uh, tough loss to Florida for football. Looking forward to Mississippi State this weekend. Um, I think they win. But, you know, I, I'm probably the most optimistic person. I, I rarely will pick Kentucky to lose. <laughs> most of the time I just gently uh, uh, refuse to say, but I, I, I think – uh, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that they'll they'll lose this weekend. I, I feel this Kentucky team, and, and a lot of people need to point out what you brought up at the beginning of the season that I hadn't realized that after every ten win season, Kentucky has failed to get back to five hundred the next year. So if we can get to seven wins, that's a that's a step in the right direction. That's not same old Kentucky. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Um. One, I guess, kind of historic, kind of monumental note on the MLB front. Um, CC uh, Sabathia made his last regular season start uh, at Yankee Stadium. He's going to retire at the end of the year. Spent some time with Cleveland. Spent part of the season with the Brewers for a playoff run. And is now going up to uh, the Yankees for these last few years. Um, solid, crafty, lefty, been around a long time. One of those names that we've known, you know, kind of like those quarterbacks that we're talking about, you know, Eli, Big Ben, Drew Brees. Um, from the baseball standpoint, you see Sabathia fits into that uh, same category. Final regular season start in Yankee Stadium as a Yankee, so a huge standing ovation from the crowd there. I'm not a Yankee fan, but he's had a great career, uh, and he's, of course, gearing up for this one last playoff run uh, before he retires and heads off into the sunset. So, uh, yeah, tip your cap to him. Had some injuries sometimes. Always been uh, a big, hefty guy. You know, you think Charles Barkley, you think Jared Lorenzen. Uh, he always got it done when he was healthy and was a clutch playoff pitcher, postseason guy in October. Uh, he's had a good career to winding down as we you know, approach October. Yeah, you tip your hat. Uh, you know, he's reaching career milestones, and it's it's rough when you're watching people 
you grew up with start to retire and everything like that. So uh, tip, tip, tip my hat to, to, to CC. He had a, a, a great career, and, you know, and, and playing in New York, it's not easy. It's not for everybody. Like I gave uh, Eli Manning his props to give it to, to CC. So uh, definitely exciting. Yeah. Well, Braves one and nothing on the Phillies. So uh, closing in on trying to win the NL East again and get ready for a playoff run themselves. I know your Cubs are right up in the mix for the wild card and probably uh, still not too far behind the Cardinals for the division. Uh, we had Gabrielle on a couple weeks ago talking a lot of baseball. So, um, a lot still to be decided, you know, as far as how it all shakes out. But uh, we'll still keep our eye on that, even though football is in full swing and basketball is right around the corner. Absolutely. We cover all the sports. That's it. Yeah. Definitely do that for sure. The Cowboys didn't mention them as much, but they, you know, at this point in the season, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Um, the schedule doesn't start off all that challenging for them. Um, started with the Giants and then um, went up to Washington and took care of the Redskins Sunday, uh, 31-21. The same as the Giants. The Redskins got a quick lead and, and got all excited, but you know, back in the Cowboys responded and, and were, you know, 21 unanswered before you knew it. Um, and we're able to go ahead and win 31 to 21. This coming Sunday, they play the Dolphins, who may be the, the worst team in the league, who are probably trying to tank like the Sixers did for all those years to get Embiid and Ben Simmons, because there's nobody in Miami, and you got guys that are there wanting to leave, and they just traded uh, one of their better defensive players. So there, it's, it's just you know, not a lot there for Miami. So Dallas should come out and take care of business and, and get to three and zero. Michelle tweeted me earlier saying that the twenty one point spread might be the biggest one, one of the biggest ones in the history of the, the league. And the Cowboys show up; they should be able to win comfortably. Uh, got a few guys dinged up, but they've looked good so far. So hopefully, they keep that going. And look, it still is matters. It's, it's just like watching Duke and Louisville. That's how I feel. But we both could come back next Wednesday talking about our teams being three and zero. And the problem with the Dolphins and why I hate obvious tanking: you can play basketball at half speed, right? But if you're football, you're not trying to win. You can get legitimately hurt. That's, that's the thing. Football is a different animal. And if the players know you're not trying to win, of course they want to get out. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and people have been talking about that. And let me, real quick, I know we're running a little bit over, but Steve Young's talking about well, we don't want the NFL to become the NBA. And the NBA doesn't need to be the boogeyman for this kind of stuff. You really need to look at Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball has the contract that everybody is chasing. They're the ones that have that, that automatic kicker for no trade clauses and all this kind of stuff, years of service and all that. 
everybody's chasing Major League Baseball at this point. It's uncapped. It's, you know, that's what everybody wants. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, Steve Young. I love Steve Young, Hall of Fame quarterback for my beloved 49ers. Vinny, do you know how Steve Young got from Tampa Bay to San Francisco? He talked oh, to the he wasn't traded? No, he was, but he went to the uh, owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and said, this team isn't very good. Get me out of here. And he wanted out of Tampa Bay so bad, and Bill Walsh wanted him, that he left Tampa Bay to be Joe Montana's backup quarterback. But he went to his owner and said, I got to get out of here. That's literally what he did. That's literally how he got out of Tampa Bay that was dreadful at that point to, I think, at Mm -hmm. that point, your three-time Super Bowl champion, 49ers. Wow. What? He made made a power play that everybody's so mad about now. He made a power play. And and nobody talks about Eli Manning. Nobody talks about John Elway and all the games he played in Baltimore. Oh, wait, he didn't. Look, man. <laughs> but Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey can't run out of Jacksonville. Jalen Ramsey's getting crushed. And 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 the thing is, we we try to demonize guys, but this has been going on since there have been professional sports. <laughs> this has been going on. You know, it's 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 how Kareem left the Bucks. It's how. Mm. Chamberlain left Philadelphia. This has been going on. And, and and you can say it's wrong, but if you did it, you can't say that. Charles Barkley was talking about Anthony Davis talking about leaving uh, uh, New Orleans. Charles Barkley, shut up. Like, that's how you left Philadelphia and got to Phoenix. And that's how you ended up uh, with Olajuwon and Pippen on the Rockets. Like, this has been going on. You know, people want to just say, oh, these guys are soft. If you're, the, if you're an NFL player and you know your average career is three seasons at best, why would you want to spend one or two of those seasons in a terrible situation? The Dolphins are taking, getting draft picks, but you're not going to be around when they start being good why would you want that? So, I'm yeah. off my soapbox, but I just had to say, Steve Young, you, you can't do that, bro. Like, you, you can't say that. Like, you, you, you can't. You know. So, just yeah. let folks know, yeah, yeah, I will call out 49ers legends if need be. <laughs> yeah. Well, good deal. Good show. Tons of fun. Appreciate you. Appreciate Vashti Hurt for hopping on. You're able to process the tough beat Saturday against Florida and be upbeat about the prospect and going to beat Mississippi State. Uh, thanks to the Kentucky Takes Bus for having us on Sunday. We had ball talking a little bit about what we're going to talk about tonight with them. Um, and just another fun show, as always, man.
Absolutely, absolutely. Thank everybody for listening. Thanks, Vashti, for joining us. And we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. It'll be uh, available wherever podcasts are, iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher FM, Player FM. Uh, tune in. It gets replayed on 12 Out Sports Radio. Well, man, Terry T.B. Brown, have a good night. Everybody listen to have a good night, and we'll see y'all a week from tonight on Cast Talk Wednesday. Brandon Hart Radio Network, Blog Talk Radio Network.